Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we absolutely believe today, uh, God, wholeheartedly from Genesis to Revelation that it's you speaking. And so, Lord, today we just open up our hearts wide. And, Lord, we just thank you for filling it today, God, with revelation, with truth that comes from your word. Father, whatever you desire to say to us and speak to us, God, our hearts are, are just open, God, to receive all that you have today. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the Holy Ghost coming and teaching as only he can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, a, a few weeks ago, right before Easter and last week, so a few weeks ago, uh, we started a new series that we uh, titled basically The Behavior of Royalty. Can somebody say royalty? So once again, the, the basis for you guys that haven't maybe been here or, or missed those weeks, uh, the basis or the foundation of this series is basically rooted in this simple truth, that the moment that you and I ask Jesus Christ uh, to become the Lord and Savior of our lives, the Bible tells us uh, that we become the royal sons and daughters of the one who is known as the eternal king. How many of you guys know that God is the eternal king? So obviously that's our, our father. So if our God is royalty, then guess what? If we're his sons and daughters, it means we are royalty as well. Now, to kind of maybe uh, come to the natural, kind of explain what we're talking about, uh, if you're a parent in the room, wave your hand at me really fast. All right, I'm a father of four, all right? There's no doubt that I have a, a certain way, I'm sure as you do too, that you desire for your children to behave, that you desire for them to conduct their lives or act in a certain way. Um, basically, God's no different, okay? He has a way that he desires for us as kids uh, to behave or to carry ourselves or conduct ourselves. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said this a few weeks, but uh, this way or this behavior is actually found in James chapter 2, verse 8. It says this. It says, if you turn to your neighbor, say he's talking to you. I'm trying to wake you all up this morning. All right. So it says, if you really fulfill the royal law, or if we can kind of add in there, if you really execute or perform the behavior of royalty, according to the scripture, it says this really simple. You shall love. Great verse. Right. So where's God wanting us to uh, direct this love? He wants us to direct our love to him. He wants us to direct this love to people. And believe it or not, uh, in spite of the way we grew up, he even wants us to direct uh, that kind of love to ourselves. And so not only does the Bible say that, that he wants us to do all those things, the Bible also makes it really clear that he wants us to even open our hearts up wide. He even wants us to position ourselves so that we can receive his love, right? And then so we could receive his love through people and that we can even love ourselves with the love that he put in our hearts. And uh, we'll be talking about that in a few weeks. But today I want to simply focus on uh, the first area that I just mentioned, and it's this loving God, loving God. Now, I'm going to kind of set uh, maybe uh, Miss Nomer here really fast. This is this can be a subject that can be really big. Right. We could be really big. We're going to try our best today to simplify this thing. So today is definitely simple and uh, kind of forewarn you. I'm going to say a few things uh, that may come off uh, kind of strong in the at the beginning. And then we'll kind of bring a little balance to it at the end. OK. And uh, so the big thing that I want you to maybe walk walk away from today is, um, man, th this this is supposed to be easy and natural. Okay? Loving God doesn't supposed to be difficult. Okay, So it's just supposed to be something that flows from our heart. So we're going to uh, kind of talk about that today. And uh, I'm sure more than likely some of you guys will, will say, what about this? What about that? I'm just going to say what I feel like we need to say. And we'll leave kind of the rest up to the Holy Ghost. All right? All right? All right. Good deal. So I want to start off by saying this. It may seem obvious and uh, maybe even a no-brainer. Uh, but, but I feel like I need to start off by saying this, that, that there's a lot more to loving God than just saying, I love God. That there's a lot more to loving God than just saying, I love God. Now listen, I'm, I'm from the South, but it's not only an issue in the South, it's an issue in America, where people, uh, a lot of times, it really goes no further than those few words of them saying, I love God. In fact, I, I was in a uh, grocery store checkout line, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, and there was a Time magazine there, and it just said God on the front. I was like, i got to buy that and see what they're saying. I typically don't read those kind of magazines and stuff like that. But, but in that magazine, it said that 96% of our nation believed in God. Now, does it look like it? 
No, it does not. So let me give you two verses that really speak to this idea of saying that there's more to loving God than just saying I love God. Uh, the first one is this. It's First John chapter 3, verse 18. I'm going to read it in the NIV. It says this. It says, Dear children, it's talking to God's kids. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. Isaiah 29, 13 says it this way. It says, Therefore the Lord said, this is a powerful verse, says, Inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips or honor me with their words, it says, but they have removed or they have distanced their hearts far from me. If I can put this in a really simple way, God is basically telling us this. He's saying, look, gang, talk is cheap. Right? So it's kind of like God wants us to know that words, uh, basically, that they lack value and they lack meaning if they aren't backed up with our lifestyles, if they're not backed up by our actions. He even wants us to know this, that, that uh, words, even the ones as powerful as I love you, that they absolutely mean nothing that if they don't come from the heart. Is that true? So let me, let me use an extreme example, basically, to prove a point. Um, I have some friends here today, and I told them before service, I said, look, I'm going to embarrass you, okay? So I'm going to give you, just so we can have a visual here real fast, and we can have a bad guy. <coughs> um, I, I'm going to use an example, basically, with these guys. So th- this isn't, uh, nothing I'm about to say is true for them, okay? So real quick, come here, uh, I, whatever. Mike and Trinae, come here. So these guys are from... Uh, North Carolina, great friends of ours. Trinae, if you can stand over there. Mike, stand there. Let's make this really simple. By the way, I should have let this guy right here preach this morning. Great preacher. So, all right, so let me give you an example to prove the points that it's got to be more than words, that there has to be action. Okay, quit looking at my notes. All right, here we go. Let, let, <laughs> let's, say, let's say these guys have been married for a while, and, and Trinae just absolutely ignores Mike, that she literally refuses to spend time with him. In fact, she's un, even unwilling to talk to him. Watch this. She doesn't care about his interests. In fact, she's completely absorbed with herself. She's absorbed with her friends. She's absorbed with the things she likes. And and when she does decide in her own timing, in her own way to speak to Mike, uh, she really talks to him however she wants to. In fact, most of the times when she speaks to him, her words are harsh, they're cold, and they're disrespectful. Fellas, are you liking this? Listen, that, that literally, she not only does all that, but she expects him to serve her basically in any way she wants. And she expects him to give her everything she wants. There's a point to this. Let's add it here. She even has a bad habit of flirting with other men. Ooh. She never tells her husband, this guy, where she's been or what she's been doing. In fact, sometimes she leaves for days with no explanation. But there is a good news about this. Occasionally, on occasion, all right, she looks at Mike and says, I love you. (laughs) Did you want an opportunity to just tell him you love him right now? Now, now watch this. How many of you guys think, obviously this is not a real scenario, but, but if this was the case, how many of you guys think that there's just a, a slight chance that this guy is even going to believe that she actually loves him? Or even be secure, watch this, to be secure or confident that she loves him. Not by much. How are you feeling? No. Not good? No. Not good. You sit down. Give him a hand real quick. Watch this. So to pick on, to pick on Trine. Ralph Waldo Emerson nailed it when, she, when he said this about her. He said, what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. What a powerful statement. That what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. Now, let's flip this and look at it from a different angle. I'm going to give you a few examples here and we'll move. But uh, let's, say, let, let's go from God's perspective to us real fast. What, what if... God's interaction, literally all of God's interaction from the time that uh, we were created until now, that literally it only consisted, his interaction only consisted of him saying, hey, put your name in the blank. I want you to know I love you. Now watch this. It stops right there. He decided to go no further, just mere words, no action. Literally, he ignored us in every area of our lives, that he never moved on our behalf, never answered one prayer. We never experienced his love, never experienced his power, 
uh, literally would never have felt his presence. And if we can take just a minute, I know we can't think of everything that God's done, but if you can think of a few things, a few highlights that God has done for you in your life. Now, imagine if those things were erased from the picture and it was just simply, once again, I love you and nothing else. How secure and how confident would you be in his love for you? Probably not too much, right? Come on, wake up. Don't go sleep on me. All right. Now, watch this. Let me be bold for a minute. We're going to flip this, okay? If all God ever did was say those three words, I love you, nothing else, no actions, how many of us would actually be faithful and committed to him today? If he just kind of stood at a distance, really cold, really distant, not really caring, and just said, hey, I love you, how many of us today would probably say, you know what, I'm a Christian, I'm walking with God? Probably not too many of us. I, I wouldn't. Okay? So you don't feel like you're... Super unspiritual if you say no, I wouldn't, okay? <clears throat> so watch this. And, and I'm not saying this to be mean, but I feel like I need to say this. Um, you know, I've been a Christian, I guess, what, 19 years now. And, and I am amazed at how many people I've met along the way that think God is somehow obligated to be faithful and committed to them just because they occasionally tell him they love him. Watch this. Or they sing a worship song, or they throw a prayer up to heaven, or they throw a dollar in the basket. Are you all feeling me today? Truthfully, so many Christians, uh, that scenario that we talked about with Mike and Trené really explains what their Christian walk looks like. I mean, watch this. They literally ignore God. They refuse to spend time with Him. They're unwilling to talk to Him. They don't really care about His interest. Are you following me? They're, they're absorbed with themselves. They're absorbed with their friends and the things that they like. Uh, they really speak about him and to him however they want because there's not honor in their hearts. There's not humility there. Uh, they have a habit of flirting with other idols and other lovers. You all follow me? We don't really consider about We just kind of go and do what we want and never stop and go, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? What's your will? What's your plan for me? God, are you leading me in this direction? Are you leading me in that direction? And, and even sometimes we... Uh, you know, just go away for days and months and whatever. Maybe it's Christmas or Easter, right? Those kind of guys that, that, that say, you know what, I'm going to show up for Christmas or Easter, and I'm going to kind of throw a nod your way, but I'm going to expect you to believe me when I say I love you. Yes? You know, I was at, I was at uh, flag football the other day uh, over at the pitch on a Monday night, and there was a guy that was sitting there, and he was talking about showing up on church for Easter and how the priest kind of... Uh, kind of made a jab at people who only show up for Christmas and Easter, right? And I just looked at him. I said, you know, as a pastor, I really just want to say one thing to those people. I, and and I, in essence, I was trying to tell him this in a roundabout way. You'd have to know me, right? So uh, not too shy. But uh, I, I just told him, I said, look, man, if you only show up for Christmas and Easter, I said, those kind of people, really what I want to tell them is, is you're really missing the point. Not to be mean, but it's just a bottom line. You're missing the point if you just, once again, if, if these people who live like this and they somehow, uh, you know, treat God like Trine was treating Mike, right? And we've all had seasons where we've done that, haven't we? And, and, but if somehow we just kind of go whatever. But the funny part is, is once again, I want to go back to the thing that we think or we expect him to believe us when we say it. It just doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. Let me say it this way, that a lot of times we treat God how we would never treat our spouse, are you following me? All right, let me get off that. Let me move forward. Here we go. If I could use a verse, maybe describe this individual, I would use this verse. In uh, Titus 1.16, this is from New Living Translation. It says this, so clear. It says, some people claim to know God. I'm going to add a word here. Some people claim to love God, but they deny, we'll put in there, they deny their love for him by the way they live. They Such people claim to love God, but they deny their love for him by the way they live. In other words, it's like God is saying, hey, gang, your actions speak louder than your words. We've all heard that statement, right? All right. So a while ago we said this, and I told you I was going to say a few things. We'll end it in a balanced way. So y'all hang on, okay? All right. I'm not trying to kick nobody in the face today. All right. So watch this. A few minutes ago we said, you know, what if God basically just, you know, threw us a word, hey, I love you, holla, right? And walked out and didn't do anything, right? And, uh, but how many of you guys know and how many of you guys are thankful that he didn't do that? That he just didn't just give us words, right? Because we know the Bible, and I want to use this verse because we all know it. But John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Somebody say action. 
He showed action that what he gave his only begotten son. Romans 5, 8 echoes this. It says, but God demonstrated, that's action, his own love toward us. And that while we were still, still sinners, Christ died for us. And let me show you probably my favorite verse in this. It's uh, 1 John three sixteen to Amplify. Please catch the heart of this. It says, by this we know and have come to understand the depth and the essence of his precious love. That he willingly, key word, that he willingly laid down his life for us because he loved us. Now, here's the point. Here's where we're working our way toward, okay? Because God truly loves us, he was compelled to action. Literally, that he was compelled to express his love. And he did it through sending his son to die for us, to die in our place. Right? We had Easter two weeks ago. We talked about a lot of that. It was perfect love on display. So, once again, I've been telling you guys for weeks that we need to remember that love is uh, love was let me say that, that love is meant to be expressed, and so here's the one who is love, and he expressed himself to us in these ways. Y'all follow me? All right. So what in the world does this have to do with us? Let's flip it and let's own this. Okay. Ephesians five one and two says this. It says, therefore, be imitators of God. The word imitators there, pretty simple. It means to copy his behavior. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. That's action. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. So here's really the simple point, okay? And we're going to start trying to make, make this a little bit more personal. Um, simple point here. And for lack of a better word, I'm going to use the word proved. But if God proved his love for us by his actions, not just by his words, because he does tell us those words. Watch this, correct? He does speak to us. But if God proved his love for us by his actions, not just by his word, then that means if we really love him, our lives, right, are going to prove it, not by our words, not by us just throwing out occasionally, I love you, but our actions are going to prove it, right? Our actions are going to express, our actions are going to show, our actions are going to demonstrate our love for God. So I don't want you to miss this. It's basically this, it's the heart of this, is that if his love for me compelled him to give his life for me, in return, my love should compel me to give my life to him. That's love, right? And maybe to, maybe to make this in a really uh, simple way, for us that have been married, when we came to that altar and we said, I do, there was something about us that were richer and poor, right? Sickness and in health. I should know all this a lot better since I do these things. So uh, that in that moment, you're in essence, you're saying, you know, I love you so much. I'm going to give my life for you. Right. We all we all understand it in the covenant of marriage. It's the same way in the covenant with God. Amen. So basically it's saying this and it says in in Corinthians, it says basically that the uh, for the love of Christ compels me pretty much to do what? To no longer live my life for myself. Yes. So I want to be really clear here, okay, because I know we all come from different backgrounds and, and um, you know, different settings and all that. But what I'm not talking about is I'm not talking about some rigid, legalistic works mentality. Okay, that doesn't belong in the kingdom. We're not Pharisees. All right. What I'm talking about, though, is what we find in 1 John 4:19, where it says we love him because he first loved us. Right. It's in, in other words, here's the thing that our lives, right, our lives not in just one particular thing we do, but our life and everything we do is an opportunity to love him with the same love that he put in us. Right. So, listen, it doesn't matter if I'm on my knees in the prayer closet or if I'm standing in worship in church or if I'm reading my Bible or if I'm walking down the aisle in Hannaford's or if I'm going in and out of the store having an interaction with somebody. My life, all of that is a continual interaction with God that displays my love to him. Amen. It's, all, it's almost like this, and, and, you know, it's religion has made it so difficult, and religion has made it, and almost like they've boxed it and said, you've got to do this, 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 and it's, but it's all from the wrong spirit. Yeah? Are you feeling it? It's from the wrong spirit, because this thing has to come from, once again, it's my heart. It, let me, let me play, put it to you this way. Outside of God, there's probably nobody in this world I love more than my wife, all right? And uh, guess what? It's not, it's not a difficult thing to love her. I want to love her. When I met her and God was like, ping, 
Anybody ever seen Touched by the Angel? It was like that. I was like, whoa. I was. Anyways, all right, here we go. But, but you know, nobody forced me to think about her as soon as I woke up in the morning. Nobody forced me to have her on my mind as the last thought as I went to sleep. Right? Nobody forced me to stare at that picture she gave me and read on the back again for like the 50th time the little thing that she wrote on there. I was in love. Are you follow me? So, so it's, it's kind of like the same way. Nobody, listen, today, like my wife went, you know, to North Carolina with some of y'all. Man, I missed her. I was like, why isn't this woman answering my FaceTime call? I want to see her. <laughs> right? Text me back, woman. You, you know, I, I, yes? I was like, man, I can't, I can't wait to meet. Listen, let me even say it this way. It's, it's so dorky, okay? I hate cleaning the house. And, and I, I do. I, and, and the thing I hate the most is dishes. I hate doing dishes, all right? So, all right, so it was the day for my wife to return, okay? And I got, I got four of those little kids, right? And I tried to maintain it throughout so we wouldn't be slammed that day. But, man, it was difficult. And so, um, anyway, so I know she's coming home. And I'm, all right, guys, here we go. Let's clean. Let's clean. Here we go. And so, I'm, I mean, it's like slave, you know, child labor laws are in action, right? <laughs> And I had everybody working. And, and no joke, here's the list. It's on the fridge. Check it off. Here we go. You, go. You, go. Jew, do this. Oh, you know, he's three, you know. Yeah, anyway. So, so, but in my heart, watch this. I know my wife, her love language is acts of service. And I wanted her to walk in that door because I knew if she walked in that door and that house wasn't clean, it would communicate something to her in a negative way. And so I wanted her to walk in that door I wasn't looking for a thanks, but I was looking for some love, right? So, <laughs> yes, so she comes in, hallelujah, and she was happy. But, you know, and, and here's the truth. I was so glad to do that because I love her. Here's what's so awesome. It, was, it snowed that day. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get this house clean and go shovel the, the uh, driveway too? The Lord was looking out for me. The Lord spoke to a man, and he came, and he plowed my driveway. I was like, because the Lord knew I was just trying to love my wife that day, right? So, so are you, are you hearing me today? So, in other words, if I can do that with her, how much more the one that saved my soul? They go, man, I just can't wait to talk to him. You know, I don't know. It's like, you know, when I was a young Christian, and I'll grant, grant this, hear me. A lot of this stuff is progressive. We, we, we grow in our love for God. So, here's the, the balance of that, okay? We're not we're jumping through hoops and all that. But, but I remember that, um, you know, as a young Christian, I would almost go, oh, I've got to think about God. Anybody ever been there? I, I, oh, oh, yeah, him. Yeah, right? But now it's just like, man, it's like continually. It doesn't matter what's going on. There's, my mind's like always there. Right? And it's, and it's not, once again, it's not because somebody, uh, because I think God's upstairs with a big stick wanting to hit me with a stick. Right? Think about me. Pah! You know? It, it's just, I just love him. Yeah? All right. We having fun yet? Good deal. So let's talk real fast. Uh, let's talk real fast about how we prove and how we express, how we show our love to him. Okay? Really simple. I'm going to mention three, but we're only going to focus on one. And there's more than this in the Bible. But I'm going to try to keep this really, really simple today. <clears throat> the first one is this. first way that we prove or express or show, however you want to word it, our love to God is uh, by loving what he loves and hating what he hates. By loving what he loves and hating what he hates. You, you know, once again, you know, I'm, about to, I'm about to celebrate 13 years of marriage, and there's something about my wife's words hold weight with me. They mean something, right? When my wife goes, you know, I don't like that. Well, all right, we're good then. Are, are you all following me? So let me show you one verse here, Psalms 97, verse 10. It says this, real simple, we're going to move. It says, you who love the Lord hate evil. Can't get any clearer than that, can it? You who love the Lord hate evil. And the reason we hate evil is because it's not him. So, you know, if you could maybe, if I could give a scenario here, uh, it would almost be like trying to have eyes for another lover when you're committed to one. Okay? Yes? So, I'm, I'm, once again, I'm committed to him. I'm not committed to... 
to this and this and this and this. And listen, this doesn't, this doesn't necessarily mean hate what is evil and the devil's over there with a pitchfork and, and horns. and all, Okay, we're hating him. That goofy picture that's not biblical, right? So, and we go, okay, that's evil. No, there's a, basically it's, it's this. It's don't love the world and the ways of the world. It's, it's to be in love with him. All right, so let's move real quick because I'm saying more than I want to. Number two, simple, by loving people. How do we show that we love God? By loving people. And that goes back to this, is loving what he loves. He loves people. So guess what? If I'm going to love what he loves, I'm going to love people. So the Bible says this in, in 1 John 4:21, And the Bible speaks a whole lot about this, but I'm just picking one verse. It says, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God, get that, that he that says he loves God must love his brother also. Pretty good, yeah? Simple. Y'all aren't going back to sleep on me, are you? All right, just checking. You know, if you're like an old man, you wake up for a little bit, and you go back to sleep, and you wake up a little bit. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. You're sitting in a NASCAR race. Wake up. All right, here we go. Number three, and this is what we're going to focus on, okay? And, and once again, hopefully in Jesus' name, we won't be too, um, I don't want to be legalistic in this at all. Number three, by obeying his word. By obeying his word. Word. I'm only going to pick one verse here. John 14, 15. It says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my commandments. Now, let's let's shoot straight here. For a lot of people, I did before I knew Jesus. As soon as I heard the word commandments, I automatically thought about the church's list of do's and don'ts. Right? And they somehow usually consist of somewhat of the Ten Commandments. I'm going to rattle them off to you really quick. Yeah, some of you guys know them. But, you know, the, thou shalt not uh, have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not worship an idol. Thou shalt not take God's name in vain. Remember to keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal or lie or covet. So, but I want to remind you something today. Hear me. We are no longer in the Old Covenant. We are no longer in the Old Testament. We are under a New Covenant, right? And so in the New Covenant, Jesus has summarized those Ten Commandments into two. All right? Stay with me. Elbow your neighbor and say, wake up. So let me show you a verse here really fast. In Matthew 22, 34 through 40, and please don't miss this, but it says this. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he, talking about Jesus, has silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, being really brave because he was a lawyer and he was used to talking, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, at face value, it seems like this guy is coming to Jesus and he's saying, Look, will you show me or will you tell me what's the greatest of the ten? But that's not what he's saying, okay? Because when you actually start stopping your research the Pharisees, you find out that those guys actually had 613 laws. 613 laws. Help me, Jesus, right? So, and so this guy is wanting to know, so Jesus, out of our 613 laws, which one do you think is the best? And I can see him sitting there just in arrogance of going, look what we've done. Look what we've accomplished. We have created 613 laws. Now, to give you the stupidity of some of them, okay? And I'm not going to stay on this long, and I told you this before. But remember, on the Sabbath, it was forbidden. It was a commandment. You shall not spit. Because if you spit, if the spit hits the ground and kills the ground a little bit, flips over the dirt, then you worked on the Sabbath. So these, are you, are you following me? Yes, so on the Sabbath you couldn't walk but a certain distance. I mean, there's so many, anyways, it, I mean, but that's kind of pressure that they heaped upon people. Sounds a whole lot like religion, doesn't it? It's a great place to say amen. Watch this. So Jesus said to him in verse 37, watch this. In fact, I want to say it this way, that he reminds them of a, of a key verse that's in the Old Testament that seems like they forgot. So he wasn't saying anything new to them. He was bringing it back home for them, okay? It says in verse 37, Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He quoted Deuteronomy chapter 10. And he says in verse 38, 
This is the first and greatest command. In other words, guys, that's your answer. To love the Lord with everything that's in you. And then he goes, but let me add another one. Watch this. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourselves. We know that's love God, love people. And then he says this amazing thing in verse 40 that I'm sure that they got really angry about. It says, on these two commandments, hang all of those 613 that you have. You follow me? On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Now, why did Jesus say what he said in verse 40? Watch this. Why did he say, hang it on that? In other words, you can bank it. It's on that. Because if we stop, we pull back, and we look at the Ten Commandments, number one through number four, deals strictly between us and God. The last six, number five, honor your father and mother, all the way to do not covet it, do not covet. The last one, number ten, that deals strictly between us and people, right? And so Jesus is saying right here, look, if you love God, then you'll fulfill the first four with these. If you love people, guess what? You'll fulfill the last six with these. He, what he did is he just he brought something that was this big, and laser point said, "Gang, just focus on that." Now watch this. Um, when we stop, we peel back, we go, "Okay, um, look at the Pharisees." We really understand that these guys were putting. I want to use a key word that they were putting a burden on the people by forcing them to live by 613 laws. Some of us can't even remember 613 names much less 613 laws, all right? So literally saying, I mean, they're putting this burden on them, and then here comes Jesus on the scene, and he narrows it down to two. Once again, love God, love people. So the reason I say all this, because I want you to understand why Jesus said what he said in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Get this. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I love the fact that he said it in their presence, because he wasn't hiding in the Pharisees' presence, Okay. And he goes, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. The word yoke, we know in the, basically in the Greek word or the Greek culture, there was rabbis in all these villages. And when it came to their teachings or their set of teachings, it was known as a yoke. So Jesus is saying, take my teaching upon you and learn from me, not from those other guys. Watch. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and will find rest for your souls, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke or my teaching, my two commandments, is easy. That word easy means useful, pleasant, good. So for my yoke or my teaching is easy, and my burden is light. Are you all with me today? See, this is why 1 John 5, 3, I love the second part of this verse. That's why it tells us this, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Watch this. And his commandments are not burdensome. Powerful. And his commandments are not burdensome. Get the picture here. The word burden means this. It means difficult. It means obligation. It means a heavy load. And it means something emotionally difficult to bear. That God is literally saying, look, what I'm asking you to do isn't difficult. I don't want you to do it out of obligation. I don't want to be a heavy load. I don't want to be something emotionally difficult to bear. So let me say it this way. That God, please get this, okay? Because I know, once again, I'm saying this because I know we come from all kinds of crazy backgrounds. And I know the mindset that I came from. But here's the simple truth. Is that God never intended for loving him to be a burden. Once again, I keep saying that. To be difficult or something to have. uh, Something we have to do out of obligation. Or for us to feel like we're carrying a heavy load. Why? Because loving him is supposed to be a joy. Yes? Let me show you a fast verse. I'm going to make a point that hopefully will hit home with all of us. First John 1, 3 through 4 says this. This is John the Beloved who wrote this. Okay, This is the guy, and it's just well known out of all the 12 disciples that really grabbed a hold of the revelation of what it means to love God. This was the guy that got it. And here's what he said. He said, that which we have seen, he's talking about Jesus, that we've seen him, we heard him, and now we declare him to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship, that love feast, that koinonia, being with him, it says, with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Watch this. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Are you understanding that? He didn't say this. Hey, guys, have fellowship with God. Have fellowship with, you know, with the Father and with the Son. And guess what? We're writing this so your burden can be really heavy. He's saying so your joy can be full. 
He's not writing and saying, guess what? We want to, you know, mentally wear you down so much that it becomes a strain and a yoke and a burden that's so difficult and heavy you can't even bear it. He said, hey, man, it's light. Enjoy it. Amen? So in a real practical way, let me say it this way. If we spend time with God, if our time is spending God uh, in prayer or reading the Bible or worshiping Him, if it feels more like an obligation than an opportunity, or hear me, if our times with God, we, let me maybe add to it, not only with prayer, not only with reading the Bible, not only with worship, but also in the part of submitting to Him and being committed and serving Him and serving people, all the things that we know about Christianity, if those things feel more like an obligation than an opportunity, we've really missed the point and our motive is wrong. Are you hearing me? Then we've missed the point and our motive is wrong. And the reason I can say that so honest is because I've been there. I've done it. I, when, when I got saved, the world I got saved in, it was like, okay, you're saved. I, literally, watch this. It just hit me. I remember I, at, at uh, what, 17 years old, I'm, I'm straight heathen, okay? This guy says, hey, I want you to go to church. I, I, my world was in chaos. So we were talking earlier. All right, man, I'll go to church with you, whatever. We hopped in the car, drove an hour away. My well, church is five minutes away. But we're going an hour. All right, here we go. So we're going an hour away, and I'm sitting in church, and this guy brings it. And I'm like, man, the Holy Ghost is just like whoosh, dealing with me. At the end, I, I, okay, Jesus, I ask you to save me. We get in the car. And on our way home, an hour, he lets me know everything that I need to change about my life. You can't do drugs. You can't drink. Quit sleeping with your girlfriend. Quit. He just run it down. And what was it like? I thought I was supposed to drop the burden off at the altar, and you just gave me another one. Am I right? And he literally told me of everything that now I have to do. Now, in my 17-year-old brain, I didn't understand that God would help me do that if I had a relationship with him. So I spent the next probably year trying to clean myself up so I could somehow go, God, you're going to let me go to heaven, right? Right? What, what's this? And so I'd kind of read the Bible and I'd kind of pray and I'd go in their little church and I'd sing their little goofy songs that wasn't even worship. Man, too honest, huh? I'm flashback here. And I, would, I mean, it was it was it was a it was a whatever it was a circus. Anyway, so so we go and we do that, and uh, ain't nothing worse than making teenagers sing kids songs. By the way, all right. Anyways, that's what they was doing. That's what I'm trying to say. So anyway, so we do all that, and I would try my best to clean myself up. And the whole time, I would literally every night, Jesus, please save me, Jesus, please save me. And I was never secure in His confidence and love for me because I was trying to work mentality. Are y'all following me today? And, and, and it's really this, it's, I spent so, so much time, and even when I finally got in a good church, and it started teaching me about having a relationship with God, those old habits and mindsets were dragging, you know, they were still kind of with me. I was still trying to carry that heavy burden, right? And that, you know, it's like trying to carry a huge, I don't know, Santa Claus bag, whatever, full of crap with you. And, and you're, you're dragging it in there, and the whole time, I, I was like, okay, I've got to pray I gotta read the Bible. I, I, I gotta worship. I gotta do this. I gotta, I better, oh, I better tell somebody about Jesus. I better, and the whole time I'm thinking, I better do all of this. My motive in my heart was this. Hopefully I'll go to heaven. Yeah? Because that's what they tell you, right? If you don't do these things, oh, Jesus help me. All right? So, but somewhere along the line, I, I, I learned this verse. It's called Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I'm saved by grace and not by works. I was tired. So what, watch this. So then I, I still messed up because I was still operating as an orphan with orphan thinking. So I shifted my motivation doing all those things. So now, okay, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Great, because I got tired of praying that salvation prayer literally five times a day, right? Okay, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. But now I've got to earn his love. And so my motivation went there. If I don't pray enough, he's not going to love me. If I don't read enough, he's not going to love me. Am I with y'all? Okay. Some people just resting in the Lord. It's all right. Here we go. So, so if, if I don't worship, I don't, if I don't tell that somebody about Jesus every time I leave my house, right, then, then God's not going to love me. But then I read this verse, Romans 8, 15. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Because what happened was, and I hope you're with me today. I'm trying my best to make this simple. 
is, is what I realized, and this went too long ago, that I realized that, guess what? I laid down all the bondage of that sin that Jesus forgave me from, and then I picked up the bondage of religion and tried to wear it. And, I, and now my motivation in praying, now my motivation, it was fear-based. It was fear. And so, but here's this last part. It says, you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. It says, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, what I love about that is, is it's saying pretty much, look, that God chose you to be a son and daughter. But what I love about that is, is the words that Paul picked, and we've all heard, you know, most of us heard this, where he comes and he says, Abba, Father. He picked the most intimate words of Daddy, Papa. So, so you know, l- listen, and some of you guys, once again, we all grew up in different kinds of households. Um, I grew up in the, in the negative side of things. <clears throat> but but I, I'll, say, I'll say it this way. It wasn't from my father, but my grandmother. My grandmother was so good at loving me. You know, that, that literally that I would, I remember a little kid crawling for lap, giving her a kiss, hugging her. She's a big old lady. And, uh, and so, you know, she kind of engulfed me. And but I'd sit there, and, and she just loved me. I mean, really, and, and I, I mean, I can't express it, but just the, if I knew if anybody, I'm from the country, if anybody loved me, my mom did. She just loved me. And that's kind of the way the father wants us to be with him. Just hop up in his lap. We're just talking. Let him just hug you and love on you, kiss you. Right? Give you candy. <laughs> my, my grandma always fixed me Kool-Aid. I like Kool-Aid. Anybody like a bologna sandwich? She made me that too, and it was fried. All right, here we go. All right. <laughs> Having flashbacks. About to cry up here. All right, anyways. But that's the thing. He's picking the most intimate thing and saying, that's what the Father said, that's the way I want to be with you. So many, so many of us, literally because the generation of our parents, we, we had these rough men, right? Rough. And they didn't want to say, I love you. Want, and God's so opposite of that. And really what he's saying is, is if we grab a hold of his love for us, it just melts our hearts. Yeah? And then once again, you know, I'll do it. How many of us in this room felt like we had to work really hard? To prove to our dad we were worth his love. Some of y'all that I know, your hands should have and your feet should have went left off the floor. It's true, but I got to do this. And God's saying, you know, it's not that way with me. Relax. Just be with me. See, here, here's the verse here that I want to throw out at you. It says, um, why, uh, let me say it this way, of why our love for God can't be motivated motivate out of fear. It says this in 1 John 4.18. I've read this quite a bit since I've been here. But it says, there is no fear in love. It's impossible. The two don't equate. They don't come together. They're on the very opposite ends of the spectrum, right? It says, for there is no love in fear, but perfect love, meaning when Crawlton's lap love him, it casts out that fear. We just know we're safe and secure in his arms. It says, because fear involves torment. How much, literally, listen, how much has religion put torment on people? Are you with me today? A lot. Now, now listen, I'm a guy, I love the church, but I love it the way God designed it to be, not the way man designed it to be. Okay? And so, and so here you're saying, but fear involves torment. It says, but he who fears has not been made perfect or mature in love. We love him because he first loved us. Again, that's verse 19. So watch this. So fast forward all these years later, and I hope this is what you understand I, I went, or you get, I went through these years of going, uh, you know, really just fear and a works mentality. I got to do enough. 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 Well, whoever said when's enough's enough, right, to finally get to the point to go, you know what, let, let's just let my love and my gratitude just flow naturally from my heart to God. And so, you, you know, I remember when back in the day, if I missed a day of prayer, God, I come humble. Right? You know, black churches down south, they come as humble as I know how. You know, Jesus, help me. But I would come and I would just grovel in His presence and, and somehow spend the next 45 minutes trying to make up for not being there yesterday. Instead of, you know, I realized He was just glad I was there. He's like, would you get up off the floor and quit acting like an idiot and just stand up and hug me? <laughs> yes? 
So now, now listen, let me bring a balance to this really fast. I am not saying that we live lives that's prayerless, wordless, or we don't worship. Because once again, love has to be expressed. But we've got to express it from a right motive and a right heart. Right? It's got to come from the right place. And uh, so once again, you know, listen, it's, I, I know we could run a thousand things here, and I can pull out some scriptures and make you feel really bad. I can make myself feel really bad. Okay, I've done cried and repented and all that before I even got here. But, you know, li- listen, bottom line is, you know what to do in your heart. You do. Jesus lives inside of you. You know what to do in your heart. Just respond to that. Right? Even let me throw this verse because it just came to me. The Bible says, even if your heart condemns you, God is greater than that. Right? Amen. Bishop, did you want to add anything? Awesome. All right. The reason I'm saying I, I stopped by the shop the other day. Hallelujah. Got my, my, my weekly dose. Good, good old Brian Carl time. And we were just talking that literally just so much of what, how, how religion is just so misrepresented him. And just being with him. And once again, get, get this, guys. Okay? Because there should be a progression in your life. You should. This is another balancing statement. You should look in your life and go, you know, I'm not the same guy I was a year ago. I'm not the same gal I was two years ago. Jesus should be doing something in you. Now, now let me maybe kind of throw something out here to you, okay? There's something about when I get in a position and I just love him, right? It's amazing in those moments of, once again, if we do it God's way, we get God's results. So when I'm doing it, doing it and I'm just loving him, and uh, guess what? That He comes and he shows up and he just pours his love out on me. And once again, it just fortifies inside my heart. Man, I'm loved by Papa. Yeah? And it's such a peace. Right. Listen, the other day, the other day I was at uh, I won't say I was at somebody's house here and I met somebody that was just so religious and they were so angry. And I was like, man, and I just want to go do brother peace freely. I've been given freely. I give. But he was so bound up with works mentality. It was like no peace. Once again, what I said from the top, God wants to operate from peace. Let me throw one last thought. We'll pray, okay? Um, Y'all okay? Is It's going to sound so cheesy. Here we go. God never created us to be human doings. He created us to be human beings. All right? Meaning that... That it's not just do, 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 do. Oh, I said do, do. Ha-ha. So it just works. It's just, I have to throw those things in there to help you. Oh, whatever. I'm, re- I'm a recovering youth pastor. Here we go. All right, here we go. So, this is a joke, y'all. Sell down. All right, here we go. So, but we have to do so many things, once again, instead of just being in love. And that's really, God just, I just want to be in love with you. And then let, once again, I know I'm repeat myself again, 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 but that's what we do. Just let it flow out of you. Yeah? I right, stand to our feet. Amen. If you don't mind, just close your eyes and just kind of get in a position to receive from Him. So, let me, let me maybe say this before we go. <coughs> If you know that you're in here today and um, you're like, okay, pastor, I hear you talking about that love, but I really don't know what that love is because I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I've never asked him to be Papa, Daddy. Never asked him to forgive me of my sins and give me a new start with him. Um, Maybe you're here today. Or maybe you're someone that said, you know, when I was a kid, I, you know, I said that prayer. And, um, you know, whatever for whatever reason, I've kind of strayed and did my own thing. The cool part is, is there's a, there's a verse in Isaiah that says this. It says that even if we go to the left or the right, we'll still hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. And uh, there's a good chance that that voice, this is the way, walk in it, brought you here today. So if it's maybe, once again, for the first time, or maybe, you know, you've been in a away from God and you want to come back, uh, just lift your hand really quick. We're not going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray for you. Okay. Anybody else?
awesome. Okay. Let me put your hands down. I'm going to be a good pastor here right now, okay? All of you guys that raise your hand, you've made that decision before. So I'm going to give you just about 15 seconds to say a simple prayer. Jesus, whatever's there, I repent. Just help me get back on track with you. Your 15 seconds starts now. Go. All right, I'm just going to pray for the rest of you. I'm not going to really give you guys an option. You're going to get it. <laughs> Good deal. Father, I thank you for every one of these people. God, if I can just kind of maybe speak for all of us. God, we're so blown away by how much you love us and how much you care for us. God, and how intimate you want to be with us and how relational you want to be with us, how close you want to be with us. So, Father, I'm just asking today, God, that you would help us. Once again, Lord, we're all in such different spots in life. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to love you, but only love you, but to love you well. To love you well. To love you well. To love you in an intimate way where we just so enjoy being with you. Lord, I understand discipline. And, God, we need to have lives that are full of discipline, of spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word spending time in our private worship and all those things. God, we don't, want to, we don't want to walk out of this place today and miss that point. But God, we want to be disciplined for the right reason. God, we want to be disciplined because we love you. God, that our motivation and our heart is right and pure. God, that it's not from fear. Lord, it's not from a, a, a works mentality. It's trying to earn love. But Lord, it's really just from a position of rest. Almost like a and God, that it's almost like that we would exhale and then we would inhale you of just your goodness and your mercy and your love toward us. And that, that that's the way kind of our relationship would be with you, God, that we'd be willing, even if we don't know how. And even if we don't, uh, you know, say sometimes, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. The bottom line, God, you've put the ability in us to communicate with you and to communicate with other people. Or we just need to share our heart's language. We just need to say what's in our heart. We need to just take a posture that goes, okay, I'm in your lap. I'm laying my head against you. I want to know your heart. I want to know your voice. I want to feel your breath on my face. However you want to word it, God. God, that we just want to love you. We want to love you. And so, Father, help us in this room, God, to begin to posture ourselves, begin to posture our lives. God, to come in alignment with what you're doing and what you're saying. And, Lord, just help us to walk closer to you. Father, once again, even as we prayed at the top, Lord, I hope we understand in this room today, God, that the only way that that which is out of order is going to come into order is when we spend time in your presence and when we hear your voice. We know in Genesis, God, you spoke, let there be light. God, an order came. And so, Lord, we need to position ourselves in your word, God, that allows your word to speak to us so that which is out of order can come into order. So, Father, thank you today just for fresh life, fresh hope, fresh reason, fresh purpose to just go, okay, Dad, I'm going to walk with you, and I'm not going to make it difficult. It's not a burden, but I'm going to enjoy myself with you. So, Lord, thank you today just for your people, fresh life over every one of them. Thank you for breathing upon them today. And, Lord, we just pray that just tomorrow, Father, they'd remember, I need to be with my dad. God, that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And God, let it become something that's just so natural that it flows out of every moment of our life. So, Lord, I bless your people today. I honor them for who they are. I honor what you're designed to do in them and through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Listen, you guys are uh, more than welcome to hang out. As, as we do many times, I would encourage you, if you want to go hang out with somebody, invite somebody to your house, invite somebody to dinner, whatever, uh, just take opportunity to get to know each other and build relationships. God bless you. Thanks for coming.